This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Bingeworthy, a podcast dedicated to telling you which of the many dozens of streaming shows that are being thrown at you each week and month are worth your time and attention. Hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo, and today I get to talk to you once again about Apple TV Plus's Shrinking, the series created by Ted Lasso's Brett Goldstein and Bill Lawrence, as well as Jason Segel. The show follows Jimmy, played by Jason Segel, who is a therapist that's gone off the deep end after the death of his wife. Ignoring the advice of his colleagues, his schooling, and common sense, Jimmy decides to make big changes to the way he practices and lives his life, resulting in huge victories and even more drama. The series also stars Harrison Ford, Jessica Williams, Luke Tenney, Michael Yuri, Lakita Maxwell, Krista Miller, and more. Joining me to discuss the show is writer, executive producer, and star Jason Siegel. I spoke with Brett Goldstein towards the beginning of the show's run, but the show just premiered its first season finale on Apple TV Plus this past week, and I got the opportunity to sit down with Jason Siegel. So with Shrinking being one of my favorite new shows, I just had to take... Uh, the chance. So if you haven't watched Shrinking yet, the show is just the perfect blend of humor and heart, much like a beautiful peanut butter and jelly sandwich of the Ted Lasso style of comedy and Jason's signature forgetting Sarah Marshall style. I've been a fan of Jason's for a long time, whether it's the aforementioned Forgetting Sarah Marshall or the Muppets or Dispatches from Elsewhere. The guy just has this wonderful quality where you really root for him and shrinking pushes those limits, but ultimately just makes you love and appreciate Jason even more. Plus Harrison Ford, you guys, and Harrison is hilarious in it. And there's so many other great people um, that we even discuss in the interview. We also talk about his role on the show as an executive producer and co-writer. We talk about the Muppets. We talk about Dracula's Lament, the Sarah Marshall spinoff that he actually has ready to go. We talk about superhero movies, uh, one of which he co-wrote with showrunners of Yellow Jackets. So there's a lot in there, uh, even more than that. But before we get into the chat with Jason, I've got to tell you that Bingeworthy is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, the Discourse, the Rogue Ones, Yellow Stoners, the Deep Focus, and more. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Follow, like, subscribe, drop us a rating on any of those as we greatly appreciate it. 
or just head over to what I refer to as the mothership, which is theplaylist.net for film and TV news, interviews, reviews, and more. As a reminder to our listeners, the entire first season of Shrinking is now available on Apple TV+. It's delightful. Go binge it now if you've been slacking. Okay, here's my chat with the hilarious and wonderfully kind Jason Siegel. I just want to start by saying how much I fucking adore shrinking. Like I love the show. Uh, that makes me so happy. Thanks. Yeah. Favorite show of the year so far. I spoke with Brett Goldstein about it. I spoke with Harrison Ford about it. Um, how was that? I mean, you're speaking with Harrison Ford, so I'm sure it's, you know, you understand it's like, you're going, it's Harrison Ford. It's Harrison Ford. Yeah. It's Harrison Ford. Yeah. And yeah. You, you have to just kind of try to get over it, but yeah, it was delightful. And he described the show as pure joy, which I totally concur. And think that, that it's wonderful so let's start out at the beginning of your shrinking journey i know like brett and bill lawrence basically made like this creative love child reese's peanut butter cup kind of version of two ideas yes pitched you on it how much did things change when you came on and agreed to it and did you feel like you had to make it your own or were you just like i need to protect this yeah. I don't, I, well, I'm lucky. Sometimes I make stuff from scratch and it's damn hard. I got to be kind of a passenger on this uh, creatorship. So, um, <laughs> which is, which is great. But when they came to me, uh, there, there wasn't a script written. So it's a, it's a neat thing to jump in at that stage because you don't have to change anything. You are around to help kind of inform even just your existence. This is what I found when I'm writing for somebody else, mm -hmm. even your existence informs how the script is going to go because you start to if you're a diligent writer you think oh this person is good doing this and oh i like seeing them when they do this and i think having written for myself a few times one of the things that we all recognized is that i i have accumulated some kind of goodwill with audiences where they think i'm a good guy and so <laughs> we were like let's use that superpower for evil and try to push Jimmy as far towards, if not unlikable, someone who is has the real characteristics of somebody going through a nervous breakdown, rock bottom, you know, because we believed that we would be able to pull him back from there. And it would be a more meaningful journey to start him out in really, really bad shape. You know, Prostitutes the, the, and drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the tight wire you're running is, can you, can you stay likable and can you have people still be rooting for the character and all that? Um, he's kind of neglecting his daughter and yeah. his therapy is all well-intentioned, but it is not conventional. And um, so that was the kind of the fun part in the beginning is, is trying to calibrate that. I know you guys are all like very different voices, but you're good people. You're good writers. Is there ever a point where you're like, creatively disagreeing and what do those creative arguments look like with you guys i'm curious everybody is very respectful of one another and i think there is some deference to the fact that bill has a superpower <laughs> he has a superpower of kind of really knowing how to hit this sweet spot and so i think you i think you state your case and you explain why and then you have some faith that whatever bill decides is going to be great He's kind of writer's room dad, basically. Bill would be happy, I think, to hear that I, I view Bill as the final say. Yeah. You know, Bill is Bill is the boss. How quickly did you and Brett bond over your mutual love of the Muppets? Or was he too professional to even mention it? Um, at the pitch. <laughs> um, 
he was not too professional to mention it. I don't know if it was a wooing technique, but it certainly worked. But when we did the pitch, he had a giant Muppets poster behind his head. And pretty instantly, you know, it's funny to me, I actually take that seriously because it indicates that somebody is um, not afraid of earnest tone. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's not in vogue. It's a very specific thing. It's very easy to make fun of people as humor. And I've never, I've tried never to, to do that. I've tried to write things that are uncomfortable because of how earnest people are. And I had a hunch that that must be a just like a little early indicator that Brett and I would get along. Absolutely. He told me his favorite movie was The Muppet Christmas Carol. I'm like, this guy's something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know you were half joking when you threw out that, you know, the whole like, uh, maybe we should make a Dracula's Lament special of some sort. But I really believe that you both could get that. If you work together, you could get that made. How much have you thought about doing that? I've thought about it a lot. I, I was legit going to do it. Um, I had the plan. I had the plan for what it was. I just then got interrupted by doing shrinking and, uh, and winning time, but it was like, it was on my agenda right before those two things. Um, yeah. Both of them weren't so good. I'd be mad, but they're. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anybody who's involved in who, I don't know who has the rights to, to that musical. Well, just let me know. Somebody call me. <laughs> okay. Back to shrinking. Obviously, the show is about a therapist who's very much going through it, grief, loss, all of that, decides to throw the rule books out the window. How weird did your own therapy sessions get, and does your therapist now give feedback on the show in your, in your session? I picked my therapist's brain quite a bit heading into this. I haven't seen him in a while. I don't know if he's watching. Um, <laughs> what I have learned isn't actually cross the line, but I thought like, oh, wow, they're really going for it. They're really telling me what they think. But I've learned that that is not um, atypical. It's actually... Uh, it's okay. And that we did a lot of research when we got, you know, to into writing the therapy scenes of what was immoral, what was illegal, what, you know, like where, where are the different lines, you know, what was unethical. Um, and it's okay to give a strong opinion. There are some specific things that aren't okay. Moving Sean into my house is not okay, but we tried to really play with what was immoral, what was unethical and what was just a dumb idea, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And then, I mean, obviously the cast is fucking phenomenal. Everyone from, you know, the, the core trio all the way down to like your neighbors, your patients, everybody is amazing. But yeah. the core trio of you, Jessica Williams and Harrison Ford, that work family that you have is so inspired and out of left field. Oh, I'm so quickly, glad. how quickly did that, the three of you kind of fall into that work family rhythm? Did it take some time or was it just like these guys are amazing? I would say day one, Jessica and I instantly had a comic rapport. You could feel that we have a similar ethos around how these scenes should feel. And the Harrison-Paul dynamic is to some extent built in to the, to the fact that it is Harrison Ford and that we are a little scared of him and in awe of him um, and want his approval. I look at him like, please tell me I'm doing a good job. Paul Harrison, you know, like it's all, it's all built in. Um, what I think really developed though was Harrison seeing how much fun we were having playing and then having some moment where he was like, watch this and jumping into the pool and being funnier than anyone anticipated. You know, you have some sense when you, if this makes sense, when you hire Harrison, that 
you're going to do comedy around Harrison and he'll be gruff and responding. That's sort of the limitation of your imagination when you're writing. And then Harrison Ford started playing stoned. He started doing all of this shit where you're like, oh, he is funny. He is, he's legit here to make comedy. The Sugar Ray car scene. I know you were amazing. amazing. Oh my God. It might be the best 30 seconds of any TV show ever, but it's just amazing like that. And like when you said he's acting high, how much did your opinion change of him when you're watching him do this? Or were you just like, man, there's a reason he's Harrison Ford. I think the latter. I think that what I thought was this guy, look, we all have parts of us that are unseen that we want to be known. Mm -hmm. And Harrison Ford can do anything he wants. So I had to believe there was a reason he took this show. <laughs> and you know what I mean? He could do any show he wants. And so I believed that Harrison Ford believed he was funny and wanted to show it. And then he did it, you know? Yeah, it's outstanding. Like I said, the core three are outstanding, as well as your, uh, like your neighbors. Like, oh, uh, my God. Krista Miller and Krista Ted Miller. McKinney. Yes. Comedy assassins. Yes. Yes. As the season goes on, like uh, Krista obviously is a big part of your your journey, but Derek, he's just he gets his little shots in the beginning. And then as the season goes on, it's just like more and more like, oh, my God, Derek is nailing this. Yes. Like every tiny moment he gets, it's just like knocks it out of the park. It is. I think comedy assassin is exactly the right term. He's like a sharpshooter who is brought in to murder a joke. Yes. Um, he is like his comic timing is perfect. Krista Miller, what I thought was really moving for me during this season, got to do some really dramatic stuff and have some really tender storylines and be very vulnerable. And I don't know that she has been called upon to do that as often as she should be. And to watch her performance, I find actually really, really moving as well. When I spoke with Brett, uh, he said that you guys do not need him. You have a great cast, which I agree. You have a great cast, but there's always room for a little bit of Brett Goldstein. I'd love to see him for season two. How much have you tried to push for that at all? We're pushing so hard. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say it. That's just a straight up answer. We ask him constantly. So here's hoping. I would love to act with Brett. I've never gotten to act with him. I think we would have a really good time. Yeah. It's also an opportunity for him to like play instead of the gruff guy that would be the the angry swearing type. He could play who he is, like the guy who cries in a lot of movies. And yes, he's so tender. You know? He is so tender. Absolutely. So yeah, you've got the green light for season two. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thanks. How how deep is the mapping process, the writing process? Where are you at right now? Pretty deep, man. Uh, we we had a theme for season one, which was grief. We have a new theme for season two that you know falls in the same opportunities for comedy and pathos. Um, and uh, yeah, now we're just divvying up the episodes and trying to make each one great. Hopefully, Jimmy doesn't spend all of his time in a courtroom with this patience. Yes. We were very conscious of making sure there wasn't too much time in a courtroom. Yes. <laughs> it's funny you say that. That was, that was definitely the talk of the writer's room, but at the same time, we wanted to honor how uh, there are real consequences. So for sure, without saying enough, uh, without saying too much, there, there will be a, there will be consequences. Yeah. I absolutely loved the the little Harrison Ford story with the the jumpsuit, the flight suit that you wore to the set. Are you yes. going to escalate this for season two where you pick a, a, a more ridiculous outfit and see if he'll mirror it? I don't need a new outfit, but they did come out with more colors. And so I think that <laughs> more cast members. 
Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I will say my four-year-old Dash will choke me if I don't ask about, uh, especially the guy who played Gary, about the Muppets. Yes. Um, because it's one of his favorite movies right now. We watch oh it Oh my God, I time. love that. Uh, like, yeah, I know the Muppet movie and the, the Muppet Christmas Carol I grew up with, and those were my Muppet movies. And then I saw this and I loved it and I showed it to them. And this is their Muppet movie. It's the one uh, that they love and they are going to grow up with. So I'm wow. sure that, yes, yes. Uh, I'm wondering how wonderful that experience was for you making that movie, knowing what that meant in, in general. And why have we not seen more Gary and Mary and Walter? It was hard. Yeah, you know, it was the most. It was. I felt so lucky, and I felt so blessed, and uh, and I also felt scared. You know, you're taking on something that had huge meaning to me as a as a kid, and it has so much meaning to, and as an adult, and it has so much meaning to so many people and so many strong opinions. And you don't want to say that you're being handed the torch, and you're kind <laughs> of being handed the torch, and it's like there's just a lot of balancing that's going on around that. All I wanted to do was make a movie that when people saw it, they felt like it was love. Yes. That's all I wanted to come out of it. I wanted it to be devoid of irony and full of love. And um, boy, man, I poured myself into that thing. And then, so I don't, this is like maybe why I have a, a, a career that it's like takes me a few years to do stuff. I don't then think, how do I do the next, how do I capitalize on this? It's not how my brain works. I like, I had an idea and I did the idea. And then unfortunately I don't have strategy. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like career wise, I don't have strategy. I have ideas. And so you're looking for the next challenge. I'm honestly sitting around until an idea won't leave me alone. Mm. And then I'm forced to write it and to make it. And it takes like two or three years. And then, uh, and then I've made this thing and it's been reflective of some, hopefully it's been reflective of where I was in my life when I had the idea and made it. And um, everything that I've done that has been strategic has been my least favorite stuff. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'd like to say, like what? No, I won't do that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but no, you, you might can say... look. You can look and guess, and it's just like there are some things that were so organic to where mm-hmm. I actually was when I wrote it, and just having a breakup that broke my heart, and loving puppets, and you can feel it when you watch Sarah Marshall. Like, One oh, the best romantic comedies of all time. Oh, I'm thanks, kidding. thanks. Yeah, it was just really where I was at the time. Muppets. Muppets is an autobiographical script. I am both Gary and Walter forever. I am myself and I am my childhood self. And we are constantly reckoning with who is taking the lead. That is my life. And that movie is about me finally saying, all right, like, hey, Walter, you got to go. There will always be a place for you, but I got to go be a grown up over here. You know, I wrote that at around 30, 30 years old or something. I guess I must have been younger, 28 years old. But that was like, 
that was actually, I didn't realize it till after that was me having a conversation with myself, you know? Yeah. Like every three or four years, I need to have a conversation with myself uh, on paper. So you might say you got everything that you need <laughs> out of <Yeah>. the experience. <laughs> yes. So you go on, you do these new things like uh, the end of the tour. You're amazing as David Foster Wallace. Thanks. Uh, the Discovery, our friend, which broke everybody that saw it. Uh, dispatches from Elsewhere is amazing. And more people need to see Dispatches from oh, Elsewhere. Thanks. Man, thanks for saying that. If I could get more people to see Dispatches from Elsewhere, I'd be the happiest guy in the world. It is the thing that I made that is the weirdest and that I am the most proud of and probably the most honest thing I've ever written in my life. Yes. And I'm so thankful that it's a singular experience and that we weren't left on a cliffhanger yeah. and that we just don't know what happens. Yes. Yeah. No, that was that was a beginning to end. I knew the finale of Dispatches first. And so I wrote towards that finale, which is kind of a fun way to write. Yeah. So you like to obviously stretch out into uncharted territories is where I was going with that. I can't help but wonder, like, is there anything where you're like, maybe I should be like a director at this point? Maybe I should try an action movie and, you know, be at the center of that. What do, what do you want to do that, you know, might sit in your brain for a while? I would like to be a villain. Oh, I think that I have spent a long time outside uh, of Despicable Me, of course. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I think that I, one of my career characteristics in a stroke of self-awareness is that I seem to be walking this line between charming and creepy and falling on the charming side by a fraction of an inch. And I'd like to tip it the other direction and fall onto the creepy side. Oh, that's awesome. So are you thinking like a thriller or like a superhero villain? I don't know yet. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. I love that yeah. a lot. I know I know you come up in like fan casting. Like when they were fan casting the Fantastic Four a lot, everyone was like saying you for the thing. I don't know if you heard oh. this or if this got back to you. Would Social that interest media. you? Uh I yeah, everything interests me, mm. if that makes sense. Everything is interesting to me. And then I uh I spent a while only doing movies where I got to be around somebody I admired and I would ask them questions like, how do you pick your projects? What is art? You know, things like that. And, um, and, and a, a really wise co-star said to me, art is performing an act of self-exploration in front of an audience. And so I kind of try to run things by that test. Like, hmm. Oh, what is it that I need to figure out about myself in this process that might be interesting to watch? It's sort of a good reason to take a project and also for me, a good reason to say, all right, this is, I'm going to trade a year of my life for that. Yeah, that makes sense. And it also makes sense that you're not someone who like looks back at sequels and reboots for that very reason. Like we're in the age of sequels and reboots. This is 40. I think you came in as the, the same yeah, character from Knocked Up. Yeah. Uh, is there any one character where you're looking like back and you're like, if I could, I guess this is the guy I would go back to. I would probably do something with that Dracula musical where I pay, played Peter oh, yes. Burke again. Um, there's not much else that I feel that way about. I don't think you'd want to revisit Nick Andopoulos from Freaks and Geeks now. I think that, <laughs> that probably that a lot of them probably aren't that pretty at this age, you know? Um, I mean, physically, I mean, where they were headed in life. No, I mean, I mostly look forward. The last thing I wrote was um, Space Ghost. You know, remember Space Ghost? Yeah. I wrote a movie version of Space Ghost with um with my friends Bart Nickerson and Ashley Lyle who made um Yellow Jackets. Yeah. Um we wrote a movie version of Space Ghost who I was a big fan of. Like there's like several iterations of Space Ghost. 
he was first like a, an earnest cartoon superhero um, like Batman. And then he became an ironic talk show host. And then DC brought him back as like a grizzled superhero. And so I wrote, I wrote a movie about that as a, as an arc of one character. That's interesting to me. I would love to see you as space ghost. <laughs> It'd be fun, right? It'd be amazing. Yeah. Tweet it out. Oh man. I can't wait if that actually happens. Plus they're on a high with yellow jackets. So it's just like, this has got to hit somewhere, but Maybe not, but you never, you never know. It's interesting. Like you just never know what's going to work. What's not going to work. I love the script though. We wrote a hell of a script. This is one of those questions that's just for me because it, and it's probably a project you talk about very little because I was in high school when slackers came out. Oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a but, weird one. Yeah. Devin Sawa, Jason Schwartzman. I fucking love cool Ethan. I don't know why cool Ethan just yeah. <laughs> really connected with me in my teenage years. Yeah. But it's one of those teen comedies, like at the time, like my friends and I would quote back and forth for whatever reason. I have cool. to ask what memories kind of shoot to mind when you think of slackers. That script, that script was so good. And then the movie ended up really weird, which is <laughs> fine. That's what happens sometimes. But like, believe me when I tell you, it was like the hottest script going around. Everyone was like, oh my God, this is, this is the one. And it, and it, got pushed really weird, which I don't mind, you know? Um, but I remember it being weird while we were doing it. And I also remember the decision to be fully naked while I wrestled with <laughs> Jason Schwartzman in the locker room and thinking that it was really funny at the time. That's, that's about all I remember from that. And being like, I'm going to do this again someday. Yeah, and I, but I'm going to turn around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like someday I'll turn around while I'm doing this. Amazing. Well, I have taken up more time than I said I would with you. I will let you go on oh, this. Uh, this was the best. Hey, I really appreciated this, man. Thanks. Yeah, hopefully you can tell that I'm obviously a huge fan, not only of just shrinking, but of yours as well. So it's Thanks a lot. Huge honor for me. Thank you again for giving me your time. And uh, I appreciate um, you. Yeah, for everybody listening along, you can stream the entire first season of Shrinking on Apple TV Plus now. Jason, again, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, man. man.